Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. Hello and welcome to the BBC Good Food Podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. Hello and welcome one and all to this week's BBC Good Food Podcast with me, your host, Tony Naylor. Alongside me, I have our expert in all things edible, Tom Kerridge. Say hello, Tom. (laughs) Hey, are you all right? And uh, this week, we're joined by our special guest, chef and restauranteur, David Carter, who runs acclaimed London restaurant Smokestack, as we celebrate the arrival of the British summer with an exploration into all things barbecue. Hello, David. Hello, hello. So, this being the British summer, uh, it may well be pouring down when you listen to this, but I am uh, wearing shorts in an optimistic show of faith. And I'm sure in David, we have enough sunny enthusiasm for the art of smoking and grilling to banish even the darkest of clouds. So, Tom, does this excite you? Are you a natural-born griller? Do you get that barbecue out at the first ray of sunshine in uh, spring? Not just sunshine, my friend. I did turkeys <laughs> on it. I did turkeys on it for Christmas Day. Like I absolutely love the smell, the flavour. I love the process. I think if you love cooking, there's something about the process of the barbecue as well of cooking on coals. And and people say that barbecue, you know, that you can there's gas barbecues and and they work. They're outside. They're fine. You know, you can do a dry marinade and rubs and things and they all work but there's something just the next layer of when you're using coals and wood and it's just something you feel much more in touch with there's less con- you haven't got the control you've got to learn it you've got to touch you've got to feel you've got to be in tune with the cooking and there's something quite special about that I, I love it so you're done in need of cooking challenges that you cook to turkey on a barbecue on Christmas day <laughs> turkey on a barbecue <laughs> Never on Christmas day no but do you know what 
it's actually quite easy if you've got if you've got one of those egg star barbecues that work quite really nicely you can get them to the temperature you want throw the turkey in there and leave it alone it leaves you oven space to do your roast potatoes my friend it makes your life easier <laughs> so already i can feel a, an intense friendship forming between <laughs> david and tommy <laughs> i feel his energy from here yeah exactly so david uh, for those of us unfamiliar with your work then maybe you could just explain a little of your background and you know your fascination with grilling and smoking Sure. Um, it kind of goes back quite a ways. I'm from Barbados. So, you know, 27 degrees Celsius, you grew up outdoors, barefoot, bareback, very much outdoor culture. So you grew up around grills. Admittedly, they're more sort of like jerk pan styles. So oil drums cut in half, charcoal. Um, so it was more direct grilling. And I think over the years, I went to university and I sort of studied hotel and restaurant management. I kind of knew this was my thing. And I always had the idea to open this restaurant in Barbados. You know, the world gets its way. Didn't realize I'll end up in London, um, but hey-ho, that's the way the world went. Um, came over here doing front of house. And then years later, I kind of got this sort of calling to kind of do it. And I fell in love with not just the actual barbecuing itself, but the kit. Like these massive smokers from the US, which are sort of complete oversized and a bit eccentric, but cool as hell, you know, they're really, really good fun. So I brought in this sort of massive smoker, this... Um, not not to, you know, play into any cliches about blokes and barbecues. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm six foot four as well, you know. Um, <laughs> but no, so I kind of fell in love with these brands and like offset smoking, really, where it's that you had the, I guess, your, your wood in one section, your actual barrel, where you kind of smoke through and then your chimney. And again, to, to Tom's point, it's stonish technology. It's literally your fire, auction in, carbon out, that's it. That's how you control your fire. And fell in love with that and then started Smoke Second 2013, doing Street Feast. Um, three summers, you know, four, well, that was, I sort of played in 2013. 2014 went full scale. 15, 16, and we opened your restaurant end of 2016. And then that's 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 where we are. Simple Stone Age technologies you're selling it as. You yeah, did your fair yeah. share of research in the US, didn't yeah. you, into uh, smoking? Yeah, well, I did. Um, at first, before I kind of even got to that level, um, there's a guy called Chef Paul Kirk from Kansas, he was doing these courses, uh, and he did one in Montreal. Then over the years, we had a sort of very sort of scattershot approach where we go to like, all the restaurants we could find, all the all the good pit masters we knew of, and kind of had a very broad approach. Towards the end, it became quite refined. We're going to this restaurant, and we're going to see this pit master. And did a couple of stages over there, one at Sugar Fire Smokehouse, and then kind of learned as you went along, and then it got a bit more refined, and you kind of pick your way after that. You know what you want to cook. Uh, you know the style you want to cook. They're really influenced as well by PQ at the time. I thought that was like world-class. I mean, that was a brilliant restaurant disguised as barbecue. It was a restaurant though. Um, and yeah, that's that's where we ended up. So uh, that sounds quite idyllic, Tom, you know, raised in Barbados, grilling in the sunshine, then an odyssey through America. I take it your introdu introduction to barbecuing was a bit more mundane. I mean, I'm thinking small barbecue from local DIY store in 100%. your youth. Yeah, very, very different. Yeah, yeah. Or even one of them disposable ones that you just said about, <laughs> like where you just burn sausages that they're black on the outside, raw in the middle. Like, but that was, you know, some as a kid growing up in the 80s that that is kind of like what I, there was no real barbecue scene in the UK there wasn't really a thing it was something that you just kind of set fire to something and hoped it would be okay <laughs> sure, and then you, sure, sure, you do sure, burgers sure. there wasn't there sure. wasn't the, the idea of the low smoke there wasn't the low and slow cooking idea mm. barbecues it wasn't until relatively recently that it didn't have lids on yeah, you know yeah, it was yeah, a, yeah. like there was that kind of like Weber style barbecue that came in and the, 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 people said 
but everyone used to cook with the lid off. You know, it wasn't, yeah, there was yeah, no, yeah, yeah. no one was controlling the way that we cook it. And and I think it's over the last, um, maybe m- m- 10 years probably, but the last five years is where it's really kind of sure. taken off of people really engaging in it. Chefs were doing it 10, 15 years ago, maybe uh, things like great big coal-fired grills coming into kitchens or using those egg-style barbecues to do bits and bobs at the back of the kitchen sure, to create sure, flavour. Sure. But then the more that's become more prolific and the more understanding, and then, I mean, the last two years, what you think, where there's been the pandemic and people have been sat at home for yeah. the summer, I mean, that's really engaged people into cooking and cooking outdoors in a barbecue. And it, it, there's so much you can do with it. It's such an exciting way of cooking. What, what, what do you have at home? I mean, have you splurged big on an impressive bit of kit or are you quite modest? No, I've got three big... So I have a, I've got a wood-fired pizza Sorry, oven. Just, just the three. Yeah, I've got a wood-fired <laughs> pizza oven. I have an egg-style barbecue and I have kind of like uh, a like a metal ring. Is it a fire is called like um, a wood-fired kind of thing that you cook with the metal on the, on the outside of it. So it kind of works like a stove sort of thing. So yeah, I've got those three things and I am currently in the position of looking at building a uh, kind of like a... a, a Big like, concrete domed fire pit as well. So I, I love it. I mean, I, 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 re- I realise the pressure is on slightly because if you invite people around for a barbecue, it's not like you <laughs> knock out any old rubbish. Is it? They're going to go away a bit disappointed, <laughs> aren't they? So. No, but I do love it. I love the process of it. I love it. Like on a Sunday morning, like if my little man comes out, and goes, "Yeah, can we have barbecue today, Daddy?" And like invite some of his friends out, and they run around. The kids are playing in the garden, and friends come over, and you, you just, you know, if, particularly the slow cooking stuff, you can throw things on and flavours as well, and it just becomes it becomes like you spend you can spend your day doing it. It just becomes an event, an immersive event rather than just like cooking something for tea like throwing some sausages under the grill it's not the same it becomes there's much more to it there's much more to it so david um you might have already confused people in this conversation by mentioning direct heat and smoking and some people might be going "Uh, what Surely yeah. just, you know, light some charcoal and chuck something on a grill. So if you could explain to us what the difference is between grilling, the grilling you grew up with in Barbados, yeah. and the low and slow smoking that you do now. Yeah, so, yeah, there, I mean, I think sort of barbecue is sort of the word, what it means in the States is smoking. Over here, I think barbecue means more grilling. And essentially, they're both cooking with live fire, so ideally. Um, grilling is where you have the, the, the coals lit before and below the actual protein uh, or the veg or whatever you're grilling, and then you kind of rotate that on top of it. Smoking is where the process is. The fire is in a, is one chamber. You've actually got a, a, another chamber where your protein is, and then you have a chimney on it. So that's all about oxygen flow inside the actual fire, through the fire, smoking the actual protein through, obviously, heat, but also smoke to kind of give it that bark, and then up the chimney. So one is one is like 120 to 130 degrees, I guess. And then grilling can be, you know, Bob's your uncle, 250. <laughs> so when you're saying degrees, are you talking centigrade or Fahrenheit here? Celsius, sorry. Celsius. Celsius. Yeah, yeah, so Fahrenheit. So if you're going Fahrenheit, it's sort of classic. It's like 250 is a sort of magical number, I guess, uh, Fahrenheit um, when you are smoking. So it's quite low and it's quite a... It's quite a long process in terms of you're, you're cooking for obviously for flavor, but also texture, because what you really are doing with smoking is, is sort of it's tougher cuts, it's pork bellies, it's, it's shoulders, it's brisket, where you're trying to break down the collagens and the meat. So the meat cooks after, I would say, a third of the time. But then in the next process after that, it goes to something called a stall around 70 degrees Celsius again. And then you're just trying to break down the collagens and eventually it gets to 85, 95, depends on what you're cooking. 
um, in Celsius. So it's a long process that kind of just breaking down the actual collagens very slowly, very gently, and eventually the meat will give, and that's where it becomes really unctuous. So direct heat, fast and aggressive. Fast and aggressive, yeah. Low and slow, as it sounds. Super gentle. 15 hours of patience. Depends on where cooking, but I think the lowest thing, the shortest cook we have in the restaurant now is about six hours, seven hours. Longest is 15. So pork belly would be around six, seven, eight, depends on what's in the smoker. A long so, cook for well, us. Well, just explain that then. So, um, obviously, low and slow, you're doing larger joints of meat. So, yeah. what, what kind of things would you grill? So, what kind of things would you put in a smoker? Traditionally, I mean, traditionally, how we sort of smoking started in the States is what happened is that you would, a lot of the um, the Eastern Europeans and a lot of the black slaves were left off cuts of meat. So, that's why a lot of the markets, the barbecue village called Schmidt's, Kreis Market, um, Smiths, and these are all names of family names of either Eastern Europeans or Blacks for to a large extent. And what happened? They were given the offcuts, so the you know ribeye, the fillets, the sirloins are all grilled, and then what was left is, I guess, brisket, pork belly, um, you know, offcuts to make sausages or whatever. And they were left that bit, and that. So what they had to do with that is cook it really, really slowly, and that sort of um, traditionally what was. Well, so grilling, I'd say, is prime cuts, and then smoking is non-prime cuts, essentially. And just talk us through some of the techniques or what you're trying to achieve with the smoking. I mean, you know, bark, smoke rings. I mean, what yeah. are these things? And, you know, yeah. what what are the techniques there? Is it about dry rubs? Is it about wet marinades before you put the meat in the smoker? I mean, you know, or, or, or is it a mixture of things that you're doing? Sure. I think, um, I think we've taken most of our inspiration from Central Texas. I think the guys around there do it better than anybody. And uh, to be honest with you, I think smoke ring is a bit sort of, that's a, that's achieved by obviously these, these smoke going through the actual, you know, penetrating the actual meat. But I don't think that's that I was going to say, treat me like an idiot. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it's that important. Give me the basics so on this. The long story with, with smoking is a very long, gentle process where the meat is completely exposed to the, the smoke and that creosote forms on the outside, which is the bark. Right. And you want to get the bark to that mahogany, almost black color, but not too, not charred. And why is, why is it, so that's a crust, is it? It forming? forms a crust on the outside. It's almost right. like toast. Like your toast gets to the point where it's perfectly golden right. brown and it gets knackered much yeah. beyond that. And you're trying to get that bark, which is similar to toast, where it creates that edge on the outside and it's it's got texture, it's got bite, it's got real umami, to be honest with you, because it's the smoke, it's the fat, it's it's everything. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Prime. You know Amazon Prime is not just a shipping subscription, right? It's got everything, including streaming TV and movies on Prime Video. And of course, Prime's fast, free shipping. Go from watching your favorite shows to getting your favorite things. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com Prime to get more out of whatever you're into. 
Right. And that is, for me, ultimately, really, really good barbecue when, it, when you have those in things. In terms of preparing the meat for the smoker, what are you doing with it? I think, to be honest with you, like salt and pepper, you know, you can't really go wrong with that. That's how they do it in Central Texas. Rubs are amazing. You Sorry, can, you is, can, it, is this a trade secret? Salt no. and pepper. Salt I can't believe that's all that's no. needed, I mean, to be, to be fair, like, there's, there's rubs. You can kind of go down the whole angle of, you know, obviously putting your spices in there, a bit of sugar in there as well. Um, aromatics, different forms of heat, whether it's mustard or chili. And that's all great and that's all adds to it. But I really think if you're a purist, you just can't beat salt and pepper when it's done really, really well. So right. our brisket is salt and pepper, our beef rib is salt and pepper. Everything's salt and pepper really now. We, we did rubs <laughs> at one point, but to be honest with you, like it's that good. Like you don't get like, I mean, I'm sure Tom will tell you, you don't get a piece of beef that good and like start messing around too much with it if it's that good quality. Do, do, do you understand all this, Tom, or is it a different discipline to cooking in a domestic kitchen or, or, or a professional kitchen? I mean, you know, using smoke and fire in this way. No, it's a very different thing. I had to teach myself. Listen, I, I, I obviously come from the background that I understand the product a lot more and I understand the way that you cook it in different ways and the way that it will break down and the understanding of the, the kind of the science, the timings, the, the longevity, the, the lower the temperature. The, but the actual, the control is something that I'm, still, I'm massively learning. It's a big learning curve for me. Like I'm still going on that journey and thoroughly enjoying it. And the beautiful thing about barbecuing or cooking this way at home is that it is very forgiving. You know, we're, we're not here. You're not trying to create dishes that are immaculate and beautiful and then pinpoint precision on really expensive plates. And what we're doing is we're creating flavour, and that and that's so important. It, things have just got, you. Can, David's almost drooling. Here, yeah, but you can <laughs> that's true though. It's you true, can it's dump true. things in the middle of a table. You can serve salads with it. it, it also you, the beautiful thing about that that style of cooking is you can travel around the world and things could mix. You can have like a Korean style kimchi salad that then gets served with a, a, a beef rub brisket that comes from the southern states of America or something like. And it and it's just it's very forgiving in terms of everything is big, punchy, strong flavors. But again, yeah, it's it's about celebrating the piece of beef. Yeah. You've got an amazing piece of beef, covering it with loads of hot spice and whatever. Like you just get a cheap piece of beef if you want to do that. Like get mm. something nice. Get a beautiful brisket and salt and pepper I mean that's great I've been using rubs but I'm now just going to go yeah, yeah. oh do you know what salt and pepper <laughs> I've, I, I've learned today well I think I think I think ultimately what, you, what you're trying to get to your point to Tom's point is you, if you understand the end product you backtrack from that so I definitely think there's a place for your rubs and stuff like that but I, I think that sort of that's like you know the mustard on the burger it's not the burger and it's not the bun it's sort of it's add-on that's an extra it's not what makes the product amazing I don't think necessarily it adds to it but it's not the it's not the crux of it can you replicate this in a domestic oven? Um, no, I don't think you can. I think um, I think the domestic ovens serve their purpose. I think um, you know you can do a braised bit of meat, you can do a braised pork shoulder, you can do a roasted, I don't know, pork belly or whatever whatever you want to do. But I think a smoker is again, it's it's the the amount of time it's exposed to the smoke, and I think you know smokers are built to be smokers. You know, ovens are built to be ovens. They're not the same thing. Um, and I think uh, you know. It's it's a truck. There's a certain job. A Ferrari is a certain certain job. You know, four by four versus a sports car. They're both vehicles, but they're not designed to do the same thing. And I think a smoker like you again, don't dabble in wood chips and liquid smoke. Then I mean, I think liquid smoke is the devil. I think that, that's that's <laughs> the, that's the, that's the, no chance. Um, I think it's a complete cop out. But I think wood, chip, wood chips have their place for sure. I think especially cold smoking. If you're doing a cold smoking, a bit of fish or mackerel or salmon is lovely. But I think. I would always say that we're cold smoking it and not try and hide it or rather than say, well, we smoked it and knowing that it's not that. So cold smoking has definitely got its place uh, with wood chips, but I think, um, yeah, look, just just do do it properly, man. 
Yeah, right. I quite like using a wood chip every now and then. So if I've done a steak, so I do it like maybe like Thank a, God you don't use liquid smoke. Like yeah. a, no, but like a T-bone or a ribeye or something that for three or four people, like a, a big joint of it that we've cooked properly on, on the barbecue and it's lovely. Right at the last minute, I might have some wood chips that I've soaked in cider or beer and then take it and then put them into the barbecue at the end and just go. Oh, so yeah. it gets like a five minute, just a smoke, just to give, just the outside because perhaps because you haven't cooked it for 12, 16 hours, it hasn't got deep smoke flavour. Yeah. It has barbecue flavour, but just to get that slight little hint. There, there's yeah. all little things that you learn yeah, along yeah. the way of being able to add bits of flavour here and there. And this is the exciting thing about barbecue is that you're just having a go at it. You're just playing with it. You're having fun. They said, I'm not refined. I, I wouldn't do it in the restaurant. I don't know. We, we do we do some smoked things in the restaurant. We do like a, uh, we do a smoked brisket that is served as a garnish for a burger for one of our pub, for the coach. And you go that's lovely we smoke those briskets and we do it like it is but it's not the main element it's not what we do but i do love the way that you can get to those flavor processes and coming through with things i mean it's just such a magical way of cooking so leave the smoking to the professionals then but people will be grilling this summer so we should talk about how they can do that uh, you know to the best of their abilities each summer I have to stoically smile through some really bad barbecue often my own so you know uh, how might it be improved now Tom I mean is this partly a mentality issue have we just got to kind of accept our limitations and, and learn a bit more about what we're trying to do to begin with? Yeah, massively. I mean, listen, there's been loads of cookbooks out over the last five years, six years that have, uh, that touch on barbecue. And uh, I mean, David mentioned PQ and PQ is a fantastic restaurant. They've got a beautiful cookbook that came out about eight, nine years ago. And it's just brilliant. It's just got lots of simple um, and also some quite complex ones, but just a little bit of background information, reading, understanding, learning. Learning to control temperature is the big thing because everyone just thinks you just got to have these big flames and that's it and then you just throw it on and it's not. It's about mm. understanding your coal. It's about understanding understanding your wood, understanding what's going on. And listen, lower and slower, even if it's sausages and burgers, is better than really hard and fast and like like super burnt on the outside and it's all going out of control whilst you're having a beer and the kids are on a trampoline and things like that. Like, you don't want that. You don't want the chaos of it. You want the enjoyment of it. You want, yeah, yeah. You want to savour the moment. So I would say the first thing you've got to learn is just understand the coals a bit more have a go at doing it understand what you're doing what do we want to be buying there then david charcoal wise i think you want to you definitely want to have something that's too filled with these um, flame starters i think you want as natural product as possible um and i think you want to be... why is that because of chemical taint or because they get well, too think, hot too quickly well, or yeah well i've got i mean i've got simple theory like you know your, your, your nose and your mouth are the same thing right if you smell if you smell sort of fire starters and it tastes like fire starter and I think not only that, but they can be really quite misbehaved and quite flurry, um, quite sort of aggressive. I think you want something that's going to take a little bit longer to lightness, potentially, but then it'll kind of hold its temperature and it's relatively even. Um, and to Tom's point, I think, like, you know, you don't want to, it doesn't want to be sort of aggressive barbecue. It's fun, right? And it's sort of, it's forgiving and it's, in, it's there's something nostalgic about being around a fire. You don't want to, you don't want to have like a bonfire though, right? It's got to be that sort of happy medium where it's, it's, it's just a quite a balanced heat. Um, and yeah, that's, I think that's the main thing, really. And you're quite in favour of turning regularly, aren't you, rather than leaving things? Yeah, well, it depends what you're doing, really. I think um, we, we do sort of a pork belly in a restaurant where we smoke it, then we chill it, then we, we finish it on a, on a chart. And the, the thing with the gut, we turn it quite often, we glaze it, because what we're trying to do is, like, it's obviously pork belly, so it's laden with flat, and then the barbecue sauce is quite laden with sugar. We're trying to caramelise that on the outside, so we turn it every 
I don't know, a minute maybe, minute and a half. And quite often, and until you get mahogany on the outside, and it's where the, the sugars and the fats are sort of caramelizing together. And it's creating that sort of char on the outside. But if you leave it for too long on one side, it risks catching and then going the other side where it burns. And you're just much better off, I think, for that style, turning it when you're glazing with sugars especially. Just explain that for people, because I'm, I'm intrigued by this idea of a mahogany finish and quite exactly what you're trying to do there. So sure. what are you putting on the meat there? Sure. Well, this is I think this is Caribbean, I guess, in me coming out. So in Barbados, it's, again, grilling. So we smoke that as a core. We smoke everything, but then we finish a lot of things on the grill. So both of our ribs, what we do is we put it on the grill. So dry grill at first, we get a bit of color on the actual rib itself. Then we start layering it on with barbecue sauces or any sauce that's kind of, I guess, you know, it doesn't have to be barbecue. It can be sort of something with a bit of sugar content because the sugar obviously will caramelize with the, pro with the fat and then you're layering that on top of it. So, so you say barbecue sauce. So what we're talking there is a good basic kind of Yeah, mix. I mean, a, a good barbecue sauce is sort of, is obviously vinegar, sugar, tomato. Uh, and it's the most basic um, setup. And the sugars will start to caramelize on it where they get quite sticky uh, and they kind of form a, a layer on top where the meat is starting to caramelize um, or in the oven and broil or whatever it is you want to do with it. But then it develops that flavor and it's just another layer of complexity that I think... But combining with the fats from the meat then? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Or to be fair, like sometimes you don't need the necessarily fats from your meat. If you're trying to caramelize a vegetable, you don't need the fats from it. But when you have hot heat or medium hot heat rather, the fat and the sugar, you caramelize that over and over and over. She's going to build layers and layers and layers of flavor. And lifting the grill up and down. Now, this may sound like the most mundane point ever, <laughs> but you are the first person who's ever mentioned to me in conversation moving the grill up and down rather than panicking about moving the meat around on the grill to move it into different yeah. temperature place. So, you know, get something you can adjust the height of the grill at. Well, our, when we started off, we had these sort of um, Perilla style barbecues where... The grill is controlled by a big wheel, essentially, because obviously when you do with just with, explain Perilla for people. So who... Perilla, what it is, it's like it's a wheel that controls the height of the grill from the fire. When you do a solid fuel, this is you have the base where the fuel is. That's not going to move. So the only way you control your temperature is moving the meat further away or closer, and that's essentially what we do. So again, when you've got a full grill, it's kind of hard to move everything off it. Like you know, you don't have to do with it. So what we do, we adjust the height of the actual grill depending on how raging the coals are or how low they are. And then that really gives us a bit more control, I guess. Because as Tom said, there's no, with, this is Stone Age technology, which is half the fun. So the only way you control it is by, you know, either oxygen, by fanning the fire, by, by moving the grill. That's the only way you kind of control it. And that's, but that's fun, right? Um, it's a bit, bit tedious, but that's, but that's fun as well. <laughs> Tom, you mentioned how forgiving this is as a format. Um, can we do a lot of the hard work here beforehand, marinating meat, getting flavour into it before we put it on the barbecue? Yeah, I mean, it's massive. It's a big thing. You can, you know, dry rubs and, and wet rubs and brines, and they all make a big difference to, to uh, I suppose, your end product. I mean, if you want to keep it n nice and simple with the salt and pepper, it's great. But also, if you if you are into a little bit of trying to, you know, your barbecue sauce could also be the marinade, the marinade that you've put things on. And it hasn't always got to be slow-cooked stuff. You, I know whether it's prawns or whether it's um, easier cooked quick pieces of meat, whether it's pork or chicken that cooks quite quickly, you know, that kind of marinade that you have it in could then also become, as you take it out, you dry it. And it's always important to get it, give it a quick dry before you then put it on to the grill because the last thing you want, the moment that that moisture, wetness, oil, whatever it is, drops down onto the flames, uh, onto the coals, that's the sort of thing that causes flames that then burns. So what you want, you want to dry and then cook it, start getting a bit of colour on it and then gently brush the 
sauces back on. But a lot of that work is done in that marinade. I mean, it goes deep, deep into the flavors of the meat or even vegetables. I mean, vegetables work so, so well on the barbecue. I mean, we talk about, all we're talking about here is meat and it sounds amazing. However, you know, I know we've said it before in the podcast, but there's been a massive kind of reflection and celebration of vegetables and and how to cook them differently because they get you know we grow up in a period where everyone just boils frozen peas or carrots don't they you know but actually the reality of cooking things like root vegetables or things like broccoli or cauliflowers and things like that on a barbecue that have been marinated or even brined or salted and just the flavors that you can get from it cabbages i mean there's a whole cabbages are like on a barbecue the char on the leaves is just magic like you can do so so much with with vegetables and barbecue that you then turn into beautiful salads it's not just about you know they're amazing served cold like charred you know flavored leave to chill chopped up made into coleslaw or something I mean they're just amazing there's so much you can do with it do your heart sink when you turn up at a barbecue and there's uh, well actually who would barbecue for you two but you know in theory <laughs> would your heart sink if you turned up and there were sausages and burgers on there or do they have a place as far as you're concerned for me 100% got a yeah. place you know I, I, I don't think you know it's, it's historic uh, for us and nostalgic childhood kind of style memories but also you know there's some good sausages and burgers out there I mean like it has a place it really definitely has a place and if you think of the way now uh, uh, like David was saying that the smoking the smoked kind of like barbecue sausages are just incredible and I, I know we, we but just because of David's background we talk about um uh, Caribbean style or southern states style but that smoked sausage that comes from like Poland where they, they have these kind of yeah, like yeah. pit barbecues that they build into the into the ground that they're just absolutely selling where they're smoking sausage and that's just fantastic that on a barbecue is amazing it's time for where do you stand on where do you stand on Right, we're going to do a quick where do you stand on here. So sorting out some big issues in barbecue in short order. So disposable barbecues, you two. Bad. Yeah, they're not they're not great, but I think also like to Tom's point, they've got they've got a place in terms of like if you just want to have a bit of fun with it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they've got a place, but um yeah, it's definitely not what it's definitely not my to go to. You you couldn't cook much on them. They don't yeah, have yeah. enough heat to hold it for long enough. I, I get it if it's the one thing you've bought from the garage on an off chance and a packet of yeah, sausages yeah. and you're just hanging out and you're somewhere like near a beach and you've just gone, all right, I'll just do this quick thing. Yeah, 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 cook exactly. tea. It's engaging because you're outdoors. Yeah, exactly. It's fine, but actually the reality of it, they're they're not great coals in them, they're not great environmentally. <laughs> They're not great at like so. Actually, dispose of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comedy aprons. You're a mankini. Yeah, yeah. I'm a hundred percent in for a comedy apron. I knew that was going to be the case. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's almost like having a cap with the finger. You can have two cans in it and then a straw. Yeah. <laughs> David. Yeah, let's go for it. Why not? Why not? Yeah, but you've got to wear shorts or trousers underneath. You can't just like yeah, have yeah, nothing. Exactly. It's not just like it's a comedy it... apron and that's it. It's a gone no wrong. one wants to see that. <laughs> uh, gas or solid fuel? Uh, I mean, I let. Uh, I, it's got. I, there is a place for gas, and I get it. I, like I've got a friend who's an Australian who spent his whole time 
barbecuing on a gas on a gas barbecue in Australia because it just becomes their way of life. It's like, it's more that's more of an outdoor thing. They come home instead of putting the oven on because they used to be. It's warm. It's you know they're they live outdoor style life. Mm. So when it comes home from work, they're not turning the oven on or they're just turning the and they're cooking outdoors and everyone's sat outside. So. I get it. There is a space for it. You can replicate flavor in terms of marinade and dry rub, but actually, the true to, to be closer to it, the the energy of it, it's got to be. It's got to be. This is Tom Kerry's trying to be nice about you yeah. saying. No. Yeah, I, I mean, there is there is a place for them. There there is a place for them, yeah, but it's know, not. It's, it's it's not. It's not the same. Oh, everybody's been so diplomatic today. Uh, paper plates are proper kitchenware. I mean, I, I, I'm again. Uh, actually, if it's my house, I, I've not really thought this through. But I should be. Uh, let's go for paper plates because that saves on easy washing up. up. Yeah, really? yeah. Easy, easy clean yeah, up. Easy yeah, clean yeah, up. yeah. Yeah. I mean, you want to do the washing up? <laughs> not massively. But We've then... just spent 16 hours doing a brisket. You don't want to do another two hours doing washing up and tidying, do you? Nor do I want to have to kind of walk around balancing a burger on something that's about to fall apart. So you know, how the best barbecue done is in the states is just done in massive rows of butcher paper. So it's this greaseproof butcher paper and they just serve it on just trays. So it's cafeteria style. And yeah, if you go to any of them, it just comes in this massive paper. And yeah, it's it's very raw and very real. Invest, invest in trays. I mean, this brings me to my final point now, because I think we've discussed the meat. We've discussed how to barbecue it. We need to talk about everything that's going on around that because, you know, it is but one component that of a successful barbecue, isn't it? I mean, you can have bad burgers, but bad burgers can be fairly you know, lifted fairly well by good buns, good salad bits, good pickles, good cheese. I mean, have you got to invest in all these bits around it as well? Or at least think about what you're doing there. I mean, buns that fall apart in two minutes, you know, you can serve the best burgers in the world. That's not going to be an enjoyable process, is it? No, I think you're right. I think you do have to look at um, everything else that's around it because I think the pickles are so important for me. They're the thing. The pickles are the big thing because they're that kind of counterbalance and they enhance that kind of barbecue flavour, the charred flavour, the smoke, the flame, the char. Pickles work so, so well with it, particularly as well if you've gone sweet, sweet glazes that have gone over the top. You've got that acidity and that crunch. Yeah, pickles are an investment. I would say the same thing. I think anything sort of acidic, um, acidity and, and texture. Because barbecue, when my first trip from the States, we went to start at 5 a.m. And I think our first barbecue was at 7 a.m. And we did, and I think it's probably maybe, I'm not even exaggerating, maybe eight places. And by the, entire, the time we came back, we came like so laden with smoke and fat and meat. And all you wanted was Sounds a salad. brilliant. <laughs> so you just wanted something to kind of cut through the riches of it. Um, and I think, ironically, the first one tasted better than the eighth one. And it, I wouldn't say it was any better barbecue. I just think it was the amount you had. Um, so you really need something to kind of cut through the the richness of it really i'm quite in favor as well of a table by the barbecue or somewhere with everything on it sauces sides help yourself you know that's another thing that encourages you know a certain dictatorial uh bossiness in barbecue uh chefs the idea that they're serving everybody and deciding what they're eating it's far more comfortable surely to let people choose what they want and get on with it themselves. Yeah, it's way easier as well. If you do a stack of ribs or you do a bit of brisket and you slice it all up, put it on a tray in front, you can have you can have sausages cooking and burgers, and you just flip them, put them onto a tray to the side, let everybody help themselves. You don't, you've done the cooking bit, let everyone help themselves. I, I mean, why would you want to get involved in deciding what people want have to eat? No, 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 no. 
do a head count as well because there's nothing worse than eating your second burger out of a hot dog bun because nobody's <laughs> thought about how many people were calling to a tackle. Um, yeah. well, what, what else do we need here? I'm thinking we need a bin of ice, preferably if we're outside. Yeah. Always. Always. Uh, speakers that aren't going to give you tinnitus. <laughs> yeah. Show. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's one thing to row about who's going to put the music on, another to be deafened by it whilst it's on. And good salads as well. I mean, yeah. you know, as we were saying earlier, that is surely key. I mean, are, are the salads that you would have as a go-to in this situation? Yeah, do you know what? Actually, I was going to say, you want ones that aren't all about the last-minute dress. Because the thing about beautiful, soft salad leaves is that the moment they're dressed, the acidity begins to break them down. You, so you want things that are going to last, going to last two or three hours sat on a table whilst people are helping. So, so things like the coleslaw, things like uh, uh, marinated kind of like tomato salads, things like uh, kimchis, like pickles fermented, things that have got um, just kind of a bit of texture to them that could sit around for a while, that are already mixed and, and, and can hang out there. Things that, I don't know, whether it's got some grains through it, whether it's got something um, in terms of things like pasta or just something that will sit and hold rather than leaves that collapse yeah. and by the, yeah. end of, by the end of the afternoon, it's just very sad. Are there specific things you serve at Smokestack, David? That... Yeah, I mean, we, um, to Tom's point early on, always a variety of pickles of some sort. We've got really sort of lots of, lots of herbs and lots of citrus. So citrus salads, um, Loads of nuts in there for texture as well. Um, slaws, but we use rather than mayo based, we use vinegar based slaws mainly. We dredge your pickling liquors from the actual chilies and we dress that with a with a salad. So we've got fennel and Thai basil with loads of other herbs as well, with like a like a lemon olive oil dressing, which is like super lovely to kind of cut everything that's going on. Um, and yeah, things that not they're not they don't require. They, we can also get them in the kitchen quite fast as well, which makes a big difference as well. Cool, and really finally. And perhaps most importantly, you need a fallback plan because this is Britain. And even if it's 28 degrees in the morning, it may well be raining by the afternoon. So always have a plan of how you're going to accommodate everybody inside. <laughs> thank you very much, David. Lovely, thank you very thank much, you. Tom. Thank Summer you. is here, everyone. Yes. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the BBC Good Food podcast with me, Tom Kerridge. For more brilliant cooking advice, don't miss the quick bonus recipe episode. Let's cook together. See you next time. Download the BBC Good Food app today and get inspired in the kitchen. Try a 30-day free trial to discover more than 13,000 recipes. Plus, as part of your subscription, you'll enjoy new ideas and exclusive recipes every month. The app will help you cook your best every day and build confidence in the kitchen with a range of skills videos and food masterclasses. You can organise your week by saving your favourite meals to make every day simpler. Plus, it's totally ad-free, so there are no distractions. Visit the App Store and search for BBC Good Food to download the ultimate cooking app today.